So I'm going to try something a little bit different. Eventually I'm going to get to the part where I'm doing actual play with this, but first I want to talk about this game I've been playing that we're leading up into. I'm using it as a way of refreshing my memory about a game that I stopped playing a little while ago before I start playing it again. The game in question is Iron Sworn, which I've been using to run a game of Ravenloft. And when I say a game of Ravenloft, what I mean is I'm sort of basing the story off of the original i6 module from Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, the original Ravenloft module, which I still have laying around here, and which I'm using as sort of, if you know what Ironsworn, how Ironsworn works, as another oracle for the game. So I want to give you a little bit of history about how this game got started. With the holidays looming up in uh, 2019, just before the pandemic, uh, my schedule was basically nuked from orbit, and most of my online or offline tabletop gaming, which wasn't a lot to begin with, uh, was disrupted, to put it mildly. Then one of my Monday night players linked me um, Adam Cobo playing, actually just taking a look at Irons. So that basically reminded me of the game, which I've actually had for a while. Um, the PDF is free. Uh, it is worth so much more than that. And I hadn't really dug into it. So I decided to do that because the game itself is designed to be played either as sort of co-GM'd or as a regular role-playing group or solo. It is a PBTA, Powered by the Apocalypse Fantasy Adventure Game. Uh, the same basic inspirational or systemic roots as Dungeon World or Masks or whatever, kind of, but supporting three modes of play. I watched Adam's video where he was sort of like breaking down the rules. I doubly enjoyed the actual play podcast that was put out by the game's creator and his son, who's another adult game designer. Uh, if you're interested in podcasts and gaming podcasts, look for the podcast called Ask the Oracle on whatever your podcast platform is. So thus inspired, I decided to, to uh, do By default, Ironsworn presumes a low fantasy, sort of gritty setting. Basically, all of Logan Ninefinger's chapters from the First Law trilogy, uh, which may or may not mean anything to anyone but me. Additionally, the game setup presumes world building that you do during creation to make a version of the Ironlands that is your very own, which is totally great. I decided not to do any of that. Uh, I had something very specific in mind, which was use the game. Well, it was a use for the game, which seems to be okay with the game's designer in terms of other potential uses for the game based on some stuff that he's written. Um, using Ironsworn to run sort of a fantasy game or scenario uh, or setting that I already had readily available. Um, I decided to play the solo game of the original Ravenloft, augmented with some PBTA tweaks from a World of Dungeons version of the same scenario that I had run for a while with my daughter, although we didn't ever. In a standard Ironsworn game, you either start character creation or world building, and then you move on to whichever of the two you didn't do first. Um, in the podcast, uh, actual play that the creator starts world building, then does the character sec. The steps look like this. You create your world and define what the truths are about the world and about the setting. Then you create your character. Um, I have a general archetype in mind, uh, had one in mind for this. Uh, uh, basically, a, an Ironsworn version of the character that my daughter played in a world of uh, Dungeon version of the Ravenloft game, um, which is... I weirdly based on a character that we both like from Overwatch. So. Uh, and then after you create your character, you create your background bonds, um, up to three bonds that represent connections to that character's home or their friends or their family, other characters, if there's other players in the game, whatever. Um, and then you write down sort of a background vow, like a quest that represents the backstory for that character and what, what 
sort of why they do what they do. Um, then you think about what your inciting incident is. You come up with a problem that spurs your characters into action. Uh, swear an iron vow, which you you know this inciting incident happens, and then you sort of swear a vow to deal with that thing, whatever that happens to be. Um, and then you play the game and just see how things shake out from there. Uh, most of the part that I wasn't planning to do with this was uh, creating the world because I already had one readily to hand in the form of the implied setting for Ravenloft. Uh, and I don't mean the Ravenloft like actual campaign setting. I mean the world, the, the country of Barovia that's implied just in the original basic, again, the original basic I6 Ravenloft module. So basically sort of a fantasy version, fictional Transylvania. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of world building to kind of sync up the setting to Ironsworn's assumptions because Ironsworn's assumptions are a lot lower subtler magic than D&D. Um, but that's about it. Um, so there's several sections that the game says that we can make decisions about. Um, what is the, the the assumption in Ironsworn is that you're in a new world, the Ironlands, and that you came from an old world. So the first thing you need to answer is what was the old world like? Um, why did the people of the Ironlands leave the old world and travel to the Ironlands. Um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, what's the, you know, iron is the most important possession in the Ironlands. Why is it special? What people came to the Ironlands before the Ironlanders? Communities, leaders, defense, mysticism, religion, the firstborn, so older species, um, the beasts and the horrors of the area, all that kind of stuff. Um, Again, I'm not planning on making, I wasn't planning on making uh, decisions about all of these things because most of the questions will be answered by virtue of using Ravenloft as the baseline setting. So the first question about the old world that the Ironlanders are assumed to have left behind for the Ironlands, I just discarded because it's not relevant to the setting. Um, for iron, the question of iron, the next, uh, it also seems like one I would throw in the bin. Basically, why are the Ironlands called the Ironlands? But I like the second option that's given in the book as an example. Um, so I'm making note of it anyway. The weather is bleak. Rain and wind sweep in from the ocean. The winters are long and bitter. Someone complains, only those made of iron dare live in this foul place. And I just, I like that. It'd be true, it just fits. Absent any other plot, I could take that, plot my hero down on the Barovia map with the related Ironsworn quest starter and just go. So that's I um, I'm discarding the legacies question because that's like who lived here before us because it's not especially relevant. What are the communities like? Um, it's, this is a good question and I'm going to go with the first available option of the Ironsworn setup. Um, we are few in number in this accursed land. Most most rarely have contact with anyone outside of our own small setting or village, and strangers are viewed with deep suspicion. That suits the look and the field that I'm going for right down to the ground. Uh, the next question is who leads? Uh, the answer that I went with is leadership is as varied as the people. Some communities are governed by the head of a powerful family, or they have councils of elders who make decisions and settle disputes. In others, the priests will hold sway. For some, it's duels in the circle that decide. For Barovia specifically, I decided that the answer is both in keeping with this answer and a little something else, um, which we'll get into. Uh, when we actually play. Next question is, how do we defend ourselves? Now, this is an interesting one. I was initially going to go with supplies are too precious and the lands are too sparsely populated to support organized fighting force. When the communities threaten, the people stand together and just have to fight to protect their own. But there's another answer that lets me integrate my character concept <coughs> into the setting much more smoothly uh, once some of the edges have been sanded off. So one of the answers is there are wardens who act as soldiers and guards and militia. They serve their communities by standing sentry 
patrolling the surrounding lands and organizing defenses in times of crisis. Most have strong ties to their community. Others, called the Free Wardens, are wanderers who hire on to serve a community or to protect a caravan. Well, I like that. That's a really cool starting place. Um, I'm going to tweak that answer a little bit during character generation as we learn about our hero. But basically, I'm going to call her a Free Warden, who's a young member of that order. Which totally works. Um, my answer to mysticism is that magic is rare and dangerous, but those few who wield the power are truly gifted. Religion. People honor old gods and new. In this harsh land, a prayer is a simple but powerful comfort. Uh, there's a question here about the firstborn, like elves and giants, basically, but it's not especially relevant to this game, so I'm just setting it aside. Um, I'm homing in on a pretty human-centric setting, except with beasts and monsters aplenty. So speaking of beasts, which is to say non-sentient monsters and the like, uh, monstrous beasts stalk the wild areas of the world, to which I will also add, and the wild areas are cheek and jowl with what's loosely termed a civilization. Horrors, these are the monsters that you can have a conversation with sometimes. For this world in general, I'm going with, we are wary of dark forests and deep waterways for monsters lurk in those places in the depths of the long night when all is wreathed in darkness, only fools venture beyond their homes. Specifically for Barovia, which is in a much worse situation, the answer is different. The dead do not rest in these lands. At night, we light torches, we scatter salt, we post sentries at the gate. It is not enough, they are coming. So that's all the world stuff answered. Let's talk about character generation. So for this, you can uh, start character generation with, you can kind of do these things in whatever order you want, I guess. I pretty much decided to go in, in the order that's presented uh, in the book. Uh, for envision your character, um, as I already said, uh, our hero is going to be a member of the Free Warden Order, known as Overwatch. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, she's a younger warrior mentored by several of the senior members. She's sort of a classic kind of armored warrior, you know, you're think paladin you know heavy heavy shield at least chainmail armor uh whatever weapons come to hand with a knack for improvising I, i'm basically uh my daughter and i uh made up a character based on uh brigitte from overwatch for our world of dungeons game and i enjoyed that character a lot transferred into a uh, fantasy setting so i'm just gonna stick with that for my little solo thing it's cheesy basic enough a video game character i do not care so that's what we're going with. Um, usually I'd wait till the end of uh, character generation to come up with a name. But in this case, I already know what the character's name is. It's going to be Brigitte. Um, I, you then can set your stats by arranging bonuses across five stats. Edge, Heart, Iron, Shadow, and um, Wits. Boy, pause there for a second. So Edge is um, Quickness, Agility, Prowess in Ranged Combat. Uh, I'm going with a Shield... You know, heavy armor, shield, melee weapons. Edge is not going to be a huge priority for me. Uh, heart is courage, willpower, empathy, sociability, loyalty. Um, so it's a, it's a combination of will and courage and, and the you know, social skills. Uh, <clears throat> making connections with people. Iron is physical strength, uh, endurance, aggressiveness, um, your prowess in close combat. Uh, shadow is sneakiness, deceptiveness, and cunning. So straightforward and wits is you know your expertise your knowledge observation now this is not uh, allocating stats this did not take me long heart i wanted uh to be briggs best stat. she's loyal she's brave she's friendly she's tough-minded you could go with iron if you want to but for her i mean her mentors you know she's got her mentor who's where iron is her top stat or his top stat or whatever like that she's about heart 
Um, which doesn't mean that she doesn't have a good iron. Uh, at plus two, um, iron is going to be very good. And because shadow and edge doesn't make much sense, uh, neither one of them make much sense for her. Um, they, they are a plus one, and that means that the uh, plus two goes into wit. So good heart, connection with lots of, with, you know, makes good connection with people. She's courageous, she's brave, she's physically strong, and she's smart. She's got a good head on her shoulders. She remembers stuff. Um, she, she's observant. She's not much for being sneaky, and she's never been, you know, she's never really been a standout with a bow. But uh, none of her go-to tactics are really going to rely on those two stats very often. So, although sometimes I just have to be stupid, it's something that relies on a bad stat. Um, once that's done, you set your health to five. You set your spirit, which is sort of like your mental hit points, I guess, your soul hit points, and your supply, which is a um, abstraction of your supply um just what kind of gear you have and whether or not you've expended your food and really any kind of supply all those are automatically set to five when you start out and your momentum which we'll get into a lot more later is set to two um it's a sliding thing it moves it changes a lot um it doesn't do much when the numbers are low but when the numbers are high it can take a bad roll and turn it into a good roll at which point in time it's sort of expended you got to build it back up again momentum you got to build back up again but if, if your momentum is good if your momentum is high um you can it can turn a bad roll around, which is which is pretty cool. Um, and then you mark up to three uh, background bonds. Uh, in in Iron Sworn, bonds don't do a lot. They do help in certain situations. Um, I say they don't do a lot by comparison to some uh, another game, uh, Starforge, that the same author has built. It's a sci-fi thing. Uh, bonds are a much bigger deal. When they're when they've become full on bonds in this case essentially when you're doing stuff with this person that you have a bond with you get a bonus which is great in some cases because you can have a bond with a particular person that maybe you interact with a lot it could be a big bonus it can also be really useful if you manage to form a bond during play with like a community that you're working with because then basically any role that you do that's socially you're trying to convince them to do stuff or get help from them or um, resupply or anything like that that you do in that community that you have a bond with you can get that bonus um, which is really nice <coughs> Uh, I don't have that. I'm not going to start off with that initially, but I do have a few bonds. I'm only going to do two bonds initially because I want one sort of as a freebie when the story gets going. Uh, my first bond is going to be with my old mentor, sort of a father slash uncle figure uh, named Reinhardt. Yes, I stole that from Overwatch 2. Shut up. And uh, he is currently missing. And the order of the Free Wardens, I am in many ways a fresh-faced recruit to the cause of the Free Wardens. And I believe the best about all of them. That's my definition of my bond. I, I just, I, I, I lionize the, the order. Um, and then you pick three assets. Um, assets kind of represent your background skills, your back, your background, your skills, your traits. If you have magical abilities, you may, you could have that as an asset. Um, they're almost like career paths in Warhammer or something like that. And that they, you know, as you level them up, they, they give you more abilities. Um, they're kind of their own thing. They're not feats. They're not. They're not that from D and D. They're not really life paths, but they show, in some cases, what your background is. Like, you'll see what they are. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Of, you know what this would be. I don't have. Um, they basically give you additional options when you make moves. Um, sometimes they act as their own little self-contained move, so they provide you a new move that you wouldn't otherwise have. But in a lot of cases, like they give you a bonus when you do certain kinds of activities that are already baked into the game, or they protect you from certain stuff, or you know whatever. Um, there's four types of assets, uh, companions that you can have, um, career like paths, like previous like paths, life paths, um, combat talents that are just bonuses to combat for various kinds of combat activities, and rituals which are basically magic and spells. Um, you can mix and match them however you like. 
Um, I didn't have a really clear picture when I made up uh, Brigida, like uh, what this would be. Um, and theoretically, that would mean, well, I, I should say, I didn't know specifically what asset she was going to have. But I had a real good picture of what Brigida was going to be like based on the character that I was basing her on from Overwatch. So I figured I could discard a lot of stuff really quick and get down to nuts and bolts stuff that lined up with what I was talking about. So um, uh, there's a lot of assets. They're all very neat. They're tempting. Um, but I kind of know how this is going to go. So first thing, the core of Brigida's approach to combat is her shield. Um, I really like playing her in Overwatch for that reason. Uh, so she, I'm taking the asset called Shield Bearer which is the core of Brigida's approach to combat. Um, weapons come and go, but her shield is her life. And in the right hands, it can be death for whoever she's fighting. Um, ironclad. Uh, so what that means is even when I'm traveling light, Brig is um, more heavily armored than most people. Um, and then she can strap on heavier gear whenever the situation calls for it. So um, basically I've got like two different modes of armor, either light armor or heavy armor that uh, heavy armor has some downsides, but it gives me more, re you know, resilience during combat and light armor, same kind of thing, um, but on a sliding scale. And the last one I went with was honor bound. Initially, uh, I wanted something that would give Brigitte kind of this paladin-y feeling of a knight with a cause. And Honorbound works pretty well because it gives her a little bit of extra hard-edged will when things get tough. But I'm torn. Um, if she was a little bit more religious, I'd get... Uh, there's an asset called Devotant, which would be kind of cool. Um, and if I was leaning more toward her Overwatch inspiration, I would go with Rite or Improviser, which lets her kind of get kind of MacGyvery with stuff that she picks up as she's going. Uh, but I stick with Honorbound. Um, kind of keep devoting out there as an option if I, you know, get more faith-based, you know, power, whatever. Um, there's another asset called Thunderbringer that I really, really like because it, it can be used for, like, the, the big mace that you're used to using in the game. But I'm going to save that one. There's, maybe something will come up during the game. And uh, finally, I uh, end up, uh, I have to make her background bow. So, so we've got Brigida, and uh, the background vow is I'm going to go, uh, what I end up making is that my background vow is find or avenge the missing warden. So now I know that there are missing wardens. Um, that background I will I will get into a little bit later. I will get into in the next video, actually. I'm going to break this up. So this is all the character creation and stuff that we I did for my uh, solo thing. And when we come back, I'm going to uh, kind of break out and tell the story of, um, well... What happened when Brigida met the game? Thanks!